Hi folks and thanks for listening to this Tortoise Shack podcast. A little bit of housekeeping before we kick off, you know what I'm going to say. We need you to click the link that says patreon.com forward slash tortoise shack. Throw us the price of a fancy cup of coffee and maybe a scone once a month and help us keep this show on the road. And you get piles and piles of extras, including our exclusive interview with the Minister for Housing, Dara O'Brien, which is out there right now. It's one of 1,300 podcasts, all available plea-free in one consolidated podcast feed. You never miss an episode, whether it be Echo, Reboot, Glow West, and our regular Sunday shows. There's no long-term contract, so maybe just try it for a month, see what you think, and if you don't like it, cancel it. Rory always says it's more than a podcast, it's activism. Think of this as the easiest bit of activism you can do on a monthly basis. That couple of quid that you you give us helps us have those conversations and keep this space open for topics and subjects that deserve that bit more time that you can get on a podcast without rushing to news, traffic and travel. So one more time, click the link, patreon.com forward slash tortoise Thanks for listening. Thanks for the support. Enjoy the podcast. Hello and welcome to the Echo Chamber Podcast. My name is Tony Groves and Martin, we are back and we've almost got you up before midday on a Friday, so it must be a special occasion. It is a special occasion, Tony. It is. We're up to talk to the lads in sunny Spain. Sunny Spain. Um, yeah, it, it, look, it, uh, it, we have actually, it's been, we've had a bit of a Spanish theme this week, whether we were talking about uh, with John Gibbons about the end of uh, agriculture in the EU and how everything is struggling along. We talked to the guys in Citibank and Citigroup about what happens in financial institutions and how they're abusing things. And But predominantly, we talk a lot about housing. Housing, 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 it has been the topic for the longest, like I think it was one of our first four or five podcasts. Actually, our first guest, First guest was, was housing, yeah. Was housing a, a young single mother who was living in emergency accommodation, Martin, if you recall. Um, and we, we've we've covered the topics for, you know, it, from all aspects. But there has been an extraordinary pushback in many ways to some of the plans that have been launched by other governments within Europe to try and tackle their housing crisis because we keep hearing, you know, well, Ireland is not unique and we know Ireland is not unique. Particularly Portugal, we had a conversation with Joe Pina recently, and today we're going to talk about what's happening in Spain. And we invited on two of our uh, returning guests, uh, Professor Joe Hasselman Madrid and journalist Owen Gil Martin. Lads, it's good to see you both, and uh, it's 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 nice to see you. You you were actually friendly enough with one another, despite your uh, your differences <laughs> in opinion. No, totally. Yeah. Well, actually, Joe, Joe was on my podcast uh, just before Christmas, and I think it was. Our most popular episode last year, so we'll have to get him back on. He's a he's a popular guest. Yeah, yeah I know when I ever coming in a tag team. I'm the big bad business school professor, and he's the guy who like has coffee with trade unionists. You know, so <laughs> we're you know. There's and somewhere in between, there's there's beautiful there's a beautiful bit of magic. But listen, lads. First of all, can we go to, to housing in Spain? Okay, so uh, if you were living under a rock, folks, the Spanish government have announced this. That the idea is to um, bring back into into stock 50,000 public housing units. And there's also an additional attempt to bring in, I think it's up to 43,000 uh, local authority rentals. Uh, guys, can I get, first of all, both of you to give me your, your sense of A, the plans, and B, are they as radical as, as, as they're being portrayed, particularly... Here we're being told, you know, we couldn't do that. That's that's communism. Well, I mean, I think there is two. There's been two big announcements or two big developments in the last last few weeks. I think probably the most important was yesterday when the new housing law was passed. This housing law has been blocked for for, for three years. It was part of the coalition for government's uh, program, and it was promised back in 2020, and then promised in 2021. 
And the current Spanish government, you know, it's a, it's a left-wing coalition between the sort of center-left Social Democrats, uh, the Socialist Party, and the radical left Unidos Podemos. And one of the one of the sticky points, for example, for the initial program for government was around rent controls and was around including rent controls in in the program for government. This went on for a month. They finally got it into the into the into the plans into the program. Um, and the housing law was promised in the first year. It was meant to be published, and the initial draft was meant to be published autumn 2020 with, with the budget. The the socialists pushed back against it. The, the right wing of their party, very close to Brussels, uh, orthodox, you know, neoliberals, etc. I think the housing minister came out and said, well, yes, housing is a right, but it's also an asset. It's also a, com- a market commodity. And that those two interests need to be balanced. And so... I think, I, I I think when you were talking about the the bad bank housing and stuff, I, w- I want to go to Joe on the bad bank if you don't. Okay, but I, I think I think that's more of an electoral. We're we're getting into sort of local and regional election campaigning here, and I think there's not a huge amount of su- substance to that. I can talk about that if you want as well, because I think I think it would have been radical three years ago or five years ago, but they've sold most of the, their best housing stuff. So, for example, even even six months ago, it would have been better, but. In the last six months, they've sold, I think, seven thousand of their of their sort of prime prime. It's uh, the it's the Kerry it's, it's, it's the Kerry farmer where you ask him, man. Exactly. How, do I, how, do I get, the, how do I get the, the suit and such? I wouldn't start from here. The highest proportion is in in Morcia, the the southern re, southern region of Morcia, which you know there isn't a housing crisis in Morcia. Like it's not it's not necessary to to have more public housing necessary there. But I think I think the announcements have to be seen. As part of a sort of a longer struggle for the right to housing, both from the social movement, Spain has a very strong housing movement, and from within the institutions coming from sort of left wing forces. And I think the housing law yesterday was a, a step forward. It's not a definitive shift, but it, it includes some some really important measures. For example, a tax on empty empty properties. And mm-hmm. um, so it's going to you know the, I think they can levy one hundred and fifty percent. Um, of the existing property tax on top of empty properties once they've been empty for two years, new eviction prote- protections, and but the key the key thing is the rent controls, and it's the struggle within the government within the coalition has been going on for three years about how to define and how, what are the limits of these rent controls. And I think we I think the left sometimes this happens in all countries now that the left find it difficult to acknowledge a partial victory. You know, we know this, this. This isn't this isn't like game changing stuff necessarily. Uh, oh, and you, oh, and you sound like a Green Party in government with Fianna Fáil, Fine Gael arguing for the for the for the uh, for the for what, the. What, the what inc- do we want? Incremental change. When we want it. At some point in the future. It's the only thing on offer. Like we have to. You know, you can't. I mean, it's it's. Uh, I mean, they 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 have really pushed for three years to get these rent controls, and the the rent controls that have been agreed and were passed in the Parliament yesterday. They are stronger we have what well, you have in Ireland. There are less loopholes. I mean the problem with rent controls is, you know, they have to be extremely stringent. They have well, to be strict. Our, 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 our initial rent pressure zones, if you recall, folks, and Joe, you'll remember this, literally was was, was manna from heaven because it set a four percent growth rate for the for the funds that they said, Well, we can put we're guaranteed a four percent return because we the maximum we can put up the rent up every year was four percent. But Joe, can I get your thoughts on it? And particularly maybe around the, the financial aspect of it, because 
there is a balancing act, as you said, between housing as a, as a right, housing as an asset. In Ireland, unfortunately, we have the right to housing. Um, we don't have the right to housing in our constitution, but we do have the right to private property. And we don't really balance that correctly in terms of the public good, even though there is a right to the public good. It's, it's, it's complex and hasn't been tested. Tell me, give me your thoughts on it. Yeah, it's interesting, uh, just laughing at Owen's uh, ability of the left to acknowledge partial victory. You know, it's like, what happens when you get the thing you, uh, you've you been demanding for, like, you sort of don't know what to do with yourself, you know, there's sort of an element of that, because, I mean, in a way, I, I didn't really see this coming, you know, if we said six months ago, I mean, housing is a big thing, and you want to play the sociology game rather than the economics game. You know, a lot of socialists have a couple of uh, pisitos, as they call them, like they were, you know, they're buy-to-let people as well. Like buy-to-let is very common among, uh, you know, the good socialists as it is among the good uh, conservative. And that was often given as the reason why they didn't want to intervene in the market. Uh, it's really interesting for Ireland because it com- it contains a lot of the things that people are talking about would solve the Irish. So it's kind of like Spain is kind of a laboratory and everyone in Ireland should be watching very closely what, what happens. Now, it has its, you know, elections are coming up at the end of the month uh, in, in Madrid and, and everyone's kind of watching that. But it's sort of interesting to see what they haven't done. You know, uh, Portugal has actually been a lot more radical. And even I was watching what Singapore have done and what New Zealand have done in terms of like the the war between labor and capital is always like capital controls is always the thing. And they're not sort of restricting that in a way. And that's kind of what what the big argument was. Now, that so there was much more radical things they could have done. Uh, you know, the right wing who opposed it in Parliament and are also out there. But oddly, they didn't, they've opposed it by saying, like, you know, it hasn't done enough. I mean, there was, their opposition is very kind of muddled in terms of they haven't been clear cut in terms of offering an alternative proposal. But it's interesting that they haven't kind of gone as far as they could. Uh, they've implemented a lot of ideas in terms of rent controls, in terms of vacancies, in terms of different laws for people with, you know, institutions who rent versus people with like five or less properties. So it's a really kind of an interesting uh, thing as to what it will be done. But ultimately, it comes down to building houses, you know, and that's kind of the what the institutions are saying, that politicians pass laws, but they don't actually build any houses. So it's in, that will be the test of it, which is to say how many new houses get built. And ultimately, uh, you know, whatever way you want to say about this thing, get this problem gets solved by building more social housing. So will more social housing get built in Madrid and Barcelona and the pressure? It's not clear that these measures will lead to either of those two things. And I ask, and I know it's very hard to do comparisons, but the homeless problem, homelessness or the housing crisis in Spain, how is? can we compare it to Ireland? Can we say it's better, worse? I think it's a, it's a good comparison to make because I think Ireland and Spain you know, we, if you just look at the past, both have a very sort of dysfunctional relationship with housing. And part of it comes comes to the fact that I think housing, construction, property development have played an outsized role in, in, in both economies, partially because of, you know, they're not in, neither Ireland or Spain were necessarily industrial powers. And so sort of wealth generation and employment generation in construction has been very important. And I think, you know, obviously, you know, we, there was figures published today, uh, published this week about about the the sort of public t- debt overhang from from the two thousand eight crisis. I think Spain Spain um, seventy billion it was the debt you know for yeah, exactly there you go one angle 
<laughs> well, well to, to be fair, to use the, the cliche, we managed to get, like, despite having a tenth of the population, we managed to get the same amount of debt, which was a pretty staggering achievement, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I think I, I think you can see, so I think initially, yeah, you had, you know, the Irish, the Celtic Tiger, you had the, Sp- the Spanish Miracle, they were both based on construction. And I think when you think back to before 2008, Spain, Spain, Spain has punched above its weight in a, in a few fields. One is obviously mass tourism. Uh, the other two were construction and football. And I think, you know, before 2008, I think five of the top most valued, five of the top 10 most valued uh, construction companies in Europe were Spanish. And number one, of course, was Florentino Perez, his ACS company. And Florentino Perez is the, you know, he's the president of Real Madrid Football Club. He's, he's also... Are we are we going to get into this whole evil empire thing now? Let's not. No, no, let's no, 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 no. But it's it's you know it's it. Construction plays a strategic you know a strategic role in the Spanish economy, and it's you know it's very hard to t- to tackle the housing issue and these questions without touching these people's power. And obviously, the, none of the none of the none of the measures are, are going in that direction necessarily at the moment. I think the other the other comparison, I guess, with Ireland is. If there has been a radical shift in the housing in the housing market in, in both Spain and Ireland in the last since two thousand eight, it's gone in the other direction. You know, you we with with the rise, I guess, of short term lending, obviously Airbnbs, and above all, Sp- Spain like Ireland was was always a sort of property owning society. I think uh, how, um, house ownership peaked in about two thousand six, two thousand seven, about eighty four percent. I think it was. Uh, uh, of the Spanish population owned their own home. That's gone down to, I think, 74, 75%. But that's, but the, the sort of drop of eight, 9% is, is all among the younger generation. And so for people, people under 40, even people under 45, they're living, there's a high percentage who are living sort of in a, in a post ownership society and are being, you know, exploit, you know, are, are being, Totally exploited by, by, by so, so so the similarities are, are real, but I suppose that obviously obviously when you talk about house the housing crisis that Spain has been enduring, Spain started that process of smaller units, co living units. You know, let's remove, let's have shared kitchens and bathrooms, and we saw the pushback from that within cities, Joe, and uh, you know, and that's where the, the, this you know some of local governments pushed back and made and made changes and said you know we'd actually. You know, the whole idea is, oh, look, you don't even need a kitchen. You're, the weather's lovely. You can eat outside. Um, and, and that's kind of gone away a little bit, uh, you know, even though Ireland tried, to, Ireland tried to adopt it, but it's kind of gone away a little bit. Well, I guess we're talking a, a lot about Madrid where, where Owen and I both live. And, and Madrid has t- kind of two things going for it. One is that it, it sort of doesn't have the sea on one side, so it can go out in all directions. And and the second thing is that I think there's the highest number of elevators or lifts, whatever they call them, you know, to use the British or the American term. So, you know, I happen to, I live over a shop, you know, kind of thing, which is this thing that's the the solution of for Ireland. So like the ground floor is a shop and upstairs are apartments, you know, that's sort of where everyone lives. And I live right in the center and, and, and you know, very much uh, that's not really seen as being a, like a, a suboptimum situation. Like lots of people uh, live in that situation. Uh, there's this thing about uh, Spain is a sort of like, we don't, uh, I, I, you know, I always struggle with my we's. I don't know whether we means Ireland or Spain anymore. I'm sure Owen has the same kind of an issue, yeah, yeah. but you you don't find a lot of homelessness, and um, for for lots of reasons, uh, you know, one of it, I mean, outside of the cities, 
Uh, it's a you know the whole the, 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 there there is poverty and stuff like that, but you don't see visibility. Spain are very kind of proud, and they don't like to see you know this is why things like Thatcherism never would take off in Spain. They don't like this kind of neoliberalism. There is absolutely such thing as a society, and even like you know right-wing voters expect there to be public services. The right-wing voters go to public hospitals, put their children in public schools. They have, you know, right-wing is often attached to more social issues rather than things like that. And it all kind of comes down to wages. You know, the wages in Spain are are unbelievably low. And the, the figure I like to quote in is that only about 5% of people in Spain earn more than 60,000 euros. The equivalent figure for Ireland is 19%. So, you know, this is the, always the problem with uh, with house prices and, and those kind of things, which is to say people just don't have money. Everything kind of really levels off beyond a certain amount. So, you know, the idea of paying half a million for a house, there's so few people that are able to do that, uh, that that really kind of keeps the control on prices. So there's a lot of fighting for like lower house prices, but there isn't the thing in Ireland where people are kind of fighting for higher price houses and paying numbers that are like, to me, are astronomical. You know, you see them all the time with like crazy house prices for like, you know, people paying 600,000 for like some, you know, a house and you literally can't believe it. But it's, no, it's fairly clear. I mean, but but again, we, the challenges are the same. And, and Owen, you've referred to it about the idea of needing to build houses. Um, we're all looking into the into this now, saying, "Well, the cost of uh, construction has gone up, and the cost, the you know, we, there's not enough workers. We can't actually employ people. You need to you need to have you need to have this. Thing. What is the what is the kind of lay of the land there in terms of the ability to actually produce the homes? Because one thing that is that strikes me that we keep hearing in Ireland is that you know we have more capacity because we're building the wrong things. We're building a lot of hotels. We're building a lot of um, you know commercial units that are, we haven't. We can't even rent at the moment. How is what's it like in in? I, I don't know. We've been very Madrid centric, but I'm I'm you know just broaden it out if you can. And what's the construction industry like, and how is it functioning? Yeah, I mean, it, again, it's a pants. You're right. I mean, I think. Um, I mean, it, it really does depend because, like, again, Spain is quite a decentralized state, so local power, local local councils have a lot of um, a lot of powers in terms of planning, planning regulations, etc. And so, for example, in Barcelona, we see um, there's been a sort of moratorium on hotels because you have a left, you know, a, le- a left wing um, local council there. The mayor's Ada Calau, she's up for re-election now next month as well. And but it's it's. It's a very difficult battle to 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 take on. No, I mean she's, you know, because in a sense the money just got you. You know, you cl- you close you close one area to sort of um, these corporate funds, and they they find another another niche, another loophole. And so, yeah, we you know she's she and her administration has done great things about Air- Airbnbs and and hotels, but the money has gone into yeah into co living, into into corporate stu- student accommodation, into short-term letting and i think one of the one of the issues with the new housing law is it doesn't regulate for short-term lets and so basically how you know people, landlords are just going off in that direction in terms of in terms of actual construction i guess as i was saying it some of these companies i mean they are strategic players for for spain they are you know the developers in spain are massive i mean they play really really key roles you know when we're think, thinking about madrid they have their headquarters here they produce a lot a lot of sort of the higher higher wage jobs around engineering, etc. And there are companies that have lived off lived off the state for decades. I mean, Florentino Perez runs, you know, you know, his his services companies 
uh, run run the hospital shows talking about no because the the right wing is in favor of public of public services public uh, public health etc but they're all outsourced and so they're outsourced you have public hospitals run by run by constructors not just built but then also actually to remind li- listeners this podcast brought to you in association with Dennis O'Brien and the Beacon Hospital uh, are all your exactly. all there you go there you go yeah no and it's so you know he runs even. For example, when, when the left got into into local governments in Barcelona eight, eight years ago, one of their one of their campaign promises was to take back um, the running of these services. But you have long term binding contracts, and they can't. You know, they'd be you this, know. This, this, this goes to Joe's point, though, that the finance hasn't changed. The 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 key players on that, Joe. In terms of, and you look, you mentioned Portugal, and there are there are attempts. I put it only at, at the moment. There are only attempts to try and limit the amount of that foreign capital going into the to the property market uh in terms of the like you know putting on your finance brain can can this could the spanish economy or spanish government do with themselves if they if they didn't rely on this uh this model yeah absolutely can i I first, uh, Owens had two goals at having a big bad Florentino Perez rant, uh, and he's just just held back. So can I kind of <laughs> everyone up for the third go? You know, and then and, uh, and I also recommend- yeah, just change the topic of the podcast, maybe. Go <laughs> <laughs> Florentino, but you know, but uh, the interest Owen does have a really good article in Jacobin Mag on Florentino Perez. Actually, one of the best uh, articles I've written. So I, I should give Owen a shout out. You you can find that about his, uh, you know, his various. Uh, you know, he does have an ability to to profit no matter what happens. If it rains, Florentino makes money, and if the sun shines, Florentino also makes money. So, uh, you know, in that sense, uh, it's he's a very interesting. Uh, I mean, the money, of course, the money is available. I mean, you you know, you just have to sort of like the money is never the problem. You know, that's that's a, you know, uh, w- what have we learned about austerity? What have we learned about, uh, you know, money printing? What have we learned about any of those things? But uh, the one of the issues about you know. Economics is all about incentives, you know, and the, the, in theory, what you're supposed to do is that you give incentives and that promotes behavior. But the problem is that if everything is that nobody refuses to budge unless they get an incentive. And that's kind of where we are now, which is to say, when you began the stuff, giving incentives worked. Now everyone is kind of like worried that they act then, you know, down the line, there'll be an incentive. So in a way, like the irony of the people who talk about the market and you can't interview with the market is all of those people, you know, believe that incentives are part of the market. Like that's their 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 approach to stuff. But the core, I mean, Spain is a very wealthy country. You know, there's, there's not any problem. And there's always investments, whether, you know, you go to a bank and you have property as collateral, like the sort of irrespective of... Um, you know the past record in these things they'll give it to you but uh, the issue is uh, the issue is i guess more that a lot of people who have capacity to build or have the capacity to invest uh there's a sort of a tendency that like if we and this is the the biggest problem in ireland the ability like when doing nothing makes you money yeah. people are almost more likely to do nothing well that's the best incentive really isn't it that you can sit and make money is the best incentive joe i just want to ask you something you've said Spain is, you know, Spain's a very rich country, yet only 5% of people have an income over 60,000. Can you square that circle for me, please? Well, if I could do that, I mean, that's the biggest, that's always the thing. That's when we look around and we see, oh, who are all these people buying all this stuff? Like, where all these cars come from? I mean, people talk about the black economy, and that's, I guess, is, is a factor. And then talk about money coming in from, say, Venezuela and all these kind of things as well. But 
Uh, you know, there's an awful lot of things that don't make sense apart from death. You know, lots of people are, you know, I was very much reared, like you never have death, you know, but that's not the one I find among people I meet, which is to say they will literally compare a mortgage, you know, what's the first month of your mortgage versus what they're paying in rent. And if the first month of their mortgage is less than what they're paying, they're, they'll make a financial decision. Uh, so, you know, that's kind of one of the problems. But there's a global problem with debt everywhere. And, yeah. you know, when you look at both consumer everywhere, debt and, everywhere and, except for Ireland, by the way, because our economic Ireland. miracle is, uh, is 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 making us look like we can carry even more debt. Should we? Want can I? To. Can I? Can I just stop you there about the economic illiteracy? <laughs> if I'm reading another article about what are we going to do about the boom, you know, yeah, and, I, and I, I think about, I mean, up to a quarter of our, our just goes on interest, you know. Yeah. So basically, like, what are you like, you know, and then you say what we should do is pay the damn money back. But like, they're never going to do that, you know, no. somehow well, government debt never gets paid back. You know, it always gets rolled over and added yeah, well, on. We've just but, come straight back to Pascal Donahue. And how did we no, manage no, to no. get to this point? Can I can I come in on, on something that that is uh, is it uh, back to the rental market? So you're finding the generation going into to, to generation rent. You're finding that that's happening. We've got this, um, again, we mentioned the bad bank, and I know, Owen, you said it's you know, too, too little, too late. I accept that. But there's an interesting thing happening in, at the moment that our, our government then said, oh, we've, we, we, we found another, we looked down the back of the couch, we found another billion, and we're going to put this into cost rental. And this is back to Joe's incentives, got me thinking about it. If I'm being offered a subsidy of effectively 150 grand per unit, Joe, which is what they're doing with this additional billion to build cost rental, there's absolutely no incentive for any of those units to be affordable because the rent is based on the, the, the cost of production. So if you get more rent and you say it cost me 400,000 to build it, there's no incentive there. Is there any cost rental equivalents in Spain? Do you do, you do it at all or is it just that it hasn't tipped over into that? Yeah, I, I think it's a big factor here. And maybe even in Ireland, in overall terms, it, it gets more kind of like, uh, you know, it's a sort of an, uh, a thing to kind of that people kind of respond to rather than being a big factor. But imagine and, saying the 150 grand extra to that developer. But Tony, like that, you know, we could be here all day talking about crazy stuff. And, and then this, you know, all these incentives that just go straight into the developer rather than actually helping the, the, the help to buy all of those schemes, you know, the whole thing. I mean... It's like if you start investigating the energy market, you know, and the, and that kind of thing. And then you start to, people explain to you, like, during the when the gas thing, when the Russian invaded Ukraine, there were all these, like, nerds rolled out on daytime TV to try and explain why gas was expensive. And literally, you had, like, you know, people who are used to talking to bullfighters and, you know, and their, and their girlfriends. Like, literally, what? That's how it works. Like, it literally makes no sense whatsoever. And meanwhile, they got you like, it's, people think it's a sophisticated market, which matches buying and selling and forward pricing and all that kind of stuff. And literally, you had people going like, but that makes no sense. And the guy was like, looks at it to say, like, it's complication for the sake of complication. And that's a lot of where this thing kind of goes, you know, and you sort of like, we need like, you know, in Ireland, the solution is build more social housing. We stop building social housing. We need to build more social housing and build it where people want to live. That's the whole argument. Now, the 50 minutes for the rest of the podcast, you know, so this is the thing that we need to roll back to in Spain, which is sort of similar, which is to say, uh, you know, build more social housing where people want to live. 
and yeah. and 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 then used the power of the state in order to do that. And the story in Spain is that the left is acting intelligently finally, whereas you know I don't see that happening in other places. Well, let's go there. Well, no, just, let's go sorry, to just, Bolo. Let's go, King. No, no, sorry, just on that, on that, because I think it it is important that uh, you know in Spain, Spain, Spain only has two percent. Social housing, the the housing stock. I think in 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 Ireland is maybe ten, twelve. We we were we were about we were actually less than just over seven, but we've actually put right. back up about a couple of percentage because the output is so low the last few years, and it's predominantly been purchased by the state. You know, so if we're producing twenty five thousand homes, we have you have to you have to understand that in both both Portugal and Spain are starting from such a low base. So you're talking, I think Portugal is two percent, Spain is two point five percent of the housing stock is social housing, and this has been a huge problem as well, is that seven seven million housing units have been built with state funds since the nineteen fifties. But most of them were affordable homes, which are, you know, after thirty years could then go back on the market. And so we're in a position where also after two thousand eight, a lot of a lot of local councils sold off their social housing to to vulture funds. The the Madrid City Council sold, I think, three thousand units to Goldman Sachs, another, you know, another number of thousands to to Blackstone and so we are we are in a position where we're now starting you know the disaster the disaster of the management of 2008 we're still living with that and so in Spain yeah I mean the the promises that have been made are great I mean uh, hopefully hopefully you know where they can make good on them I mean the start of this term in 2020 Sanchez the the Prime Minister Pedro Sanchez uh promised a hundred thousand units and uh, this this term 60 thousand are currently being built but zero have at have so far been delivered, and so it is. It is this thing where, clearly, in the medium to long term, the the solution is trying to get up to sort of, you know, thirty, you know, thirty percent social housing, something like that. What they have in like the twenty percent is is twenty percent. I've been happy yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the, I mean, that's and and Sanchez has made the commitment of, of arriving to twenty percent. No, no timeline, nothing, but he has to be set it. Then that is, I'm going from two to twenty. Is 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 exactly. That's a huge, yeah, exactly. That's a huge let, ambitious, ambitious target. And so let's, it, no, let's move. Let's move it on. Let's let's move it on to the. You're talking about the the actual left. And Joe, you said the left are acting sensibly. There's more elections coming. There's actually harder and uh, own referred to the more radical elements of of the left, and. Uh, you recall we mentioned what happened in Portugal, whereby when the left came together and they, you know, and nobody thought that they would actually come together. The Communist Party decided they'd go in with the with the Socialist Party. Eventually, the Socialist Party devoured that radical left. Uh, they took their vote. What is the situation like, um, Joe? I'll get your comment and then Owen, you can you can come in on it in terms of because there are more elections coming. There seems to be bloody elections every bloody six months in Spain. But anyway, that's that's a different thing. Well, you know, I mean, the, the, if you want to have fun and games, you know, the interesting thing is is the Catalanization of Madrid. So that, like, you know, there's sort of like a separatist movement now in Madrid, you know, and like all the old tricks of the Catalan separatist movement, uh, you know, are now being kind of done by Madrid. You know, don't so make me quite, wear my yellow ribbon, Joe. Yes, indeed, I. I it's quite the Uncle Tony is, uh, you know. Is that Uncle Tony is a kind of a Catalan trope, you know, but anyway, yes. Uncle Tony is, uh, you know, that, that's trigger Uncle Tony. But, <laughs> you know, so it's a very much a power struggle between uh, Ayuso uh, and uh, who is whose looks as if she, you know, if things continue, she will be reelected 
uh, and that then she's developing her power block in terms of the national uh, PP government uh, and uh, the the leader there. So there's a sort of an interesting, um, you know, that the Madrid election is being looked at in terms of what that will mean uh, for um, for the national election, which will have to be held in the end of the year. But you know, there is a real the right wing hate Pedro Sanchez because. He is not just he's good looking tall, that obviously is not a crime, but like, you know, he moves so well within Europe. You're tall, and- Joe, that's about right. <laughs> he's going to be president and, you know, he's like Ursa von der Leyen looks at him like lovingly, you know, and, and he, you know, speaks good English and, you know, he's all like so much of what he predicted in terms of what he did on gas, uh, what he did on, on you know, incentives and and all of that, like other Europeans have copied, and this the PP really hate him for that because they're used to they're they're just used to the left just acting stupidly, and that's a kind of you know what's very interesting to see. And he has good relationships with Portugal, um, in terms of the, the that it's quite interesting that everywhere else in Europe, socialists seem to be unable to get their act together, whether it's Italy or Germany or others. So even in the, in the, in the, you know, in the, in the Nordic countries where, you know, you would have thought socialists. So, I mean, that's just a really interesting phenomenon to see, and it drives the right absolutely crazy. And the the thing that Owen and I 100% agree on is that we both hate Vox, right? So like the number, the worst of anything that can happen, even if the PP win or something, the thing we all have to do is keep Vox out of government. And that is because if Vox get in, they'll they'll like they'll they'll whatever, they'll shit the bed to such an extent it'll take us ten years because they just make everything then becomes tribal. So, you know, we can talk about the difference between the PP and the difference between uh Pezoe and the center left and center right. But Vox are still around and the number one thing that we all have to do is make sure they don't get into power. Because oh. that, that that would wreck Spain and it, it would take us ten years to recover from it. Yeah, I mean, Com- comrade Gil Martin, we go to you. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's it's been an interesting experience. I think the contrast between the left in Portugal and Spain is an interesting one, because I I sort of disagree with your reading there, Tony. That I think that that idea, which is I think very common on the left, and it, you know it's generally true, is that if you if you start doing deals with the with the centre left or the centrist, you'll you know you, you'll be sort of uh, swallowed whole, and you you know you'll disappear. And I think. The real issue for the Portuguese left was they decided during the pandemic to bring down and bring down the government and cause cause elections. And they they and they missed they totally misread I think the sort of the national humor in Portugal where you know you're in the midst of a, a, a global pandemic. People didn't want to uh, go you know go into elections uncertainly etc. I think in Spain the left have come to the conclusion that you know one. The type of external support that that happened in Portugal, where the, the left stayed out of coalition, wasn't working for them. That you know, okay, you know, you weren't, you didn't have ministerial posts, and so you weren't getting the type of exposure you would if you're in government. And we've seen that in Spain, where you have, you know, we've had a renewal of the of the of the Spanish left's um, leadership around the the Labour minister Yolanda Diaz, who's currently currently the you know the most popular political leader in Spain. She you know she comes from a uh, Communist Party background. She's a well-known labor lawyer, etc. And I think there was a sense that two years ago this coalition could collapse because it is an unstable coalition. Not just the not just the center left and the radical left, but then you have the Catalans and Basque parties supporting it from outside. And I think 
there was a point two years ago where this coalition probably could have collapsed, particularly in the last months when Pablo Iglesias, the, the former Podemos leader, um, was trying to get this this housing law through, etc. At that point, and there was just complete de- deadlock. And I think that the coalition has survived, and that they've managed to, you know, pass some interesting legislation, and you know, particularly around workers' rights, around feminist rights, you know, really, really quite in- innovative, you know, uh, uh, trans rights law, etc. Trade union rights, rights, etc. They they have they have come out now in a position where they could they could potentially win an extra twenty seats. So uh, the idea uh, that you that the idea that you would go into coalition and necessarily lose out as a junior partner, they haven't in part because they've gone into coalition with with, with the centre left. It's a social democratic party, and they've tried to help them at least to a social democratic line. Okay, but just on the, I want to say on the Portugal side, the Portuguese side, you were right about saying they, they, they misread the, the voting, but so did the media as well. Like, I mean, nobody thought they were going to be returned with a majority. They didn't even think it themselves. <laughs> you know, like that. <laughs> there is an essential difference in politics between Spain and Ireland in that, in that labour issues are actually issues in Spain. There are issues that people talk about, campaign on. You know, we don't have that in Ireland at all. We have nobody campaigning on labor issues. Yet it has made Yolanda extremely popular in Spain. Are we missing a trick over here? Yeah, well, I mean, this is the whole thing about that. There's no like and this is something that I really moving here is something you really need to appreciate that left and right mean something here. You know, left is uh, where it doesn't. I mean, I was listening on the second captain's podcast to Sinead O'Shea talk with Ken Early about she did this thing about Navin and stuff like that. And she was sort of saying how, you know, the state in Ireland doesn't really exist, you know, in so much as the church came in and provided public services. The state never built that capacity. Uh, so left and right, like, really mean something in Spain. Uh, and in terms of the labor movement and stuff like that, like, it's a real thing, you know. And, and uh, people are very kind of, you know... The other thing, I guess, is that the, the you know, Spain is our Latin, it's a Latin, so Latins are impulsive. So like the temptation to fire people is huge and the temptation to increase the rent is huge. You know, people are not as kind of, you know, perhaps think these things through as, as perhaps they would. So that's why a lot of these kind of protections are needed. You know, uh, the other thing it helps from like Spain is a great place to build a business because people will move from one thing to the other. You know, there's no kind of loyalty. Someone launches something and then everyone kind of embraces it. But yeah, it's a real problem about like, Labor lawyers are, you know, among the are very well paid, you know, uh, because they're an important function. And even in HR, you know, I, I to be working in HR here, you actually need to know a lot of stuff. Whereas in in Ireland, working in HR, you really just need to like know how to interview people and stuff like that. Like there isn't all this kind of stuff that goes on. So it is very true, and it is it is it's a lot of things um, that that Ireland. You know, could learn a lot in terms of 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 embracing the fact that you know the the left is an actual thing, and and it's not just a kind of a you know for people who who can't afford you know to go private, just have no, to be whatever nothing, they can get. Nothing drives it home than when you hear the le- the leader of our current Labour Party talking about their achievements, and no, and again, this is not to say that these achievements aren't important, but they continually talk about things like marriage equality and, and these sort of things rather than the union movement, the growing the trade union membership, you know, um, a living wage being achieved, all of these things, uh, cutting down on bogus self-employment. Only, you know, we don't get those as the wins. We get the, 
unfortunately we get the other the, 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 the stuff that yes it's important but you know a Labour Party should exist for, yeah. for yeah, yeah. it's in the name um, yeah exactly I mean I think I think two thing two things here one is I mean Spain is is a low wage economy and you know the me, the median the median income in Spain so 50% and less of, of Spaniards uh, I think the median median income is, is 1,600 euro a month and then you know it's and a, a high percentage live on on about a thousand. There's, uh, there's a famous term in Spain, millionista. You know, people who who live on a thousand euro a month. And so, you know, there is this is a real issue in Spain. There is, in that sense, you know, wage. For example, I think one of the things this coalition government has done is it's increased the minimum wage by forty percent. I was wondering where you going to mention it, Owen. I was wondering yeah. where you going to grudgingly give them uh, credit for that. But you no, no, I mean that's 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 important. But it, it's it's. There are certain contradictions. It's huge, Owen. It's, oh, it's, it's brilliant. No, no, it is great. But it's and yeah, it's, I think you said it would never happen as well. But anyway, we let's all let's oh, all oh, let's oh, all say one, one, one nil, one nil. Right, go. <laughs> no, no. Uh, but I think I think there is there are issues here. It's been. I think you know when we list all the achievements, we have to ask why. For example, this coalition government isn't soaring in the polls. Why is it so tight? And I think one of the issues is they have. I think they've done about as much as they can in terms of protecting living standards from the cost of living, uh, living crisis. But one of the issues is, particularly in the private sector, wages are lagging behind. So you have, you know, pensions have been increased by 8.5%. You've had this ma- massive increase in uh, the minimum wage. You have a pay agreement with the public sector. But you have, I mean, I think one of the reasons why left and right is so, is so strong, what, one is that it's their sense of identity. It all goes back to the civil war. Families are either left or right, etc. But it's also you have a very antagonistic relationship between the unions and the employers. And at the moment, the employers are basically holding out; they're not going to do any sort of pay agreements in the private sector until after the election. And so you have a situation. Last year, purchasing power, I think in Spain, was one of the you know the, the loss in purchasing power was one of the worst in, in Europe, worse than the UK. And the UK is a basket case, but purchasing power in Spain. Workers lost four point something percent in purchasing power, and so we can talk about social democratic Spain. But if the if if most workers, you know, the majority of workers are losing historic levels of purchasing power, the go- and you know the government only has limited way, you know, means to intervene in the, in the, in those type of areas. They've done great stuff by you know trying to you know reduce reduce inflation this year. But, but it, comes, it comes back to rent controls then, because if yeah. if, you're, if if a large proportion of your salary is going out to pay for the roof over your head, that's how you can control, you know, how you can reduce that cost of living. Uh, and, and, and these are the issues that really matter to people is actually how much do they have after they've paid for the roof over their head. And like, I mean, I do think... You, you mentioned the cost of living and how you said the, that it's it's struck in some parts, but they did they had some successes in reducing the cost of um, actual commodities people were paying for relative to others, and you know oil and gas. I mean, we only uh, a quick look at the index will tell you it, you're like twice, uh, twice uh, half what Ireland is paying per per unit kilowatt hour. You know, like um, to totally uh, no, down to they, they believe in the power of the state, you know, and this is what the difference between Yolanda Diaz and Pablo Iglesias. That, but if I triggered uh, Tony earlier, I'm now going to trigger Owen. But like that's the difference between Yolanda Diaz, you know, and you, her father was a prominent, uh, was a communist and a, a trade union leader. But 
you know, she communist communism does believe in the power of the state. You know, they want to run things. They want to take control of things. And she believes so she she kind of believes in sort of central planning and that the state can intervene and the state can, you know, talk to supermarkets about prices and the state can, you know, threaten a kind of a whatever it takes type thing that if, if, if somebody, the private sector moves in a certain way that the state will say, like, if you do that, we will move against you and we're bigger than you. So this is a very interesting kind of a, a thing that we don't have in Ireland at all. You no, know, like we're we, not, you know, we, we don't are. believe in and even like, you know, the like the way in which you know, bankers publicly mock, you know, the the minister for finance and stuff like that because he won't let them be paid a million million euros. You know, you just wouldn't do that in Spain. It's not very wise. You know, well, so and, there's and, always a perception here, Joe, that we are too small to to. I mean, Spain can say, "All right, we we'll do this if you do that." In Ireland, the perception is that we can't, we can't do it, and that is always the perception. Now, I disagree wholeheartedly disagree but that is always the perception of it um i think it's an interesting conversation we'll keep going on labor but we have gone long enough and i would like to say to both owen and joan thank you very much um thanks for not killing each other and thanks for not killing tony joe um catalonia <laughs> 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 now, uh, no, we're not. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, I think I think we just we are cut to the anyway. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, but let's 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 have another let's conversation again. <laughs> yes, let's keep that for a But uh, I and let's probably have that. Uh, let's have that Florentina Pereira. And I even attempted the pronunciation. So uh, yeah, let's have some more of these conversations, folks. I'm really delighted that you guys joined us. Um, it was funny. I don't know if you saw it when the article went up in the Financial Times uh, about what was happening in Spain. Simon McGard, a solicitor, put up on social media, said, oh, this is interesting. So only on the fact that first heard about it on on, on this podcast yeah. um, about six weeks previously. And it's because we talk to guys like you. So thank you for your time again. And uh, and I'm glad that uh, even even the, even with a little bit of a uh, little bit of catfighting amongst ourselves, we're still all going to settle up at the end of it. And it's all just buying the drinks. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, folks, we'll be back. We'll be back in your feeds very soon. Um Gonna, I think there might be a reaction to some of the things that have gone on in the, on the floor of the doll. Oh, and if you are uh, looking, we have the audio from the live um, the live Twitter space with the lads from the ditch. But that is available on the on the Patreon. Comrades now. from the ditch, too. <laughs> if and if you're interested in poetry, Martin reads an ode to Paddy Cosgrove on it. I don't know who Paddy Cosgrove is, but uh, listen, folks, we'll talk to you soon. Take care. Bye bye. Tony and Martin, Martin and Tony, speaking to interesting people only. It's the Echo Chamber Podcast. Subscribe now on Patreon.